You have a spidey sense on that one? It's always tingling. <laughs> I am always not my so <laughs> It's always tingling. We're talking about Newlander yeah, that situation, right? right? Oh, okay. It's always tingling. Just want to make sure. <laughs> Elliot, I want you to start the podcast in one very specific way to capture this moment perfectly. <laughs> okay, what's that? I want you to say this along with me. Draw me like one of your French girls. There, Draw me Jeff, like one New of Year's your Year's Day. French what are you doing? I'm not doing that. You're lounging on Dom's bed in the hotel here in Seattle, and all I can see is Rose from Titanic. As you lounge on his Man, bed. you're weird. If, <laughs> if you're, you. lo- you if you're looking socks. at me and you you're have, seeing... You don't even have socks on. Poor Dom's got to sleep in Okay, this first of all, we'll paint this picture in a second. But I just want to say, <laughs> if you're looking at me and you're thinking of Kate Winslet, you've got even more problems than I thought you did. You have did. the same pose. It's so so, so here's the thing. I do not. I'm lying on my back with my leg up. You were a second ago. So here's the thing. We're doing this. We're in Seattle. We're here for the Winter yeah. Classic. Uh, looking forward to it on, here on Monday afternoon. Great weather. They've really lucked out with the weather here. Yep. Um, and we're in Dom's room, producer Dom, doing the podcast. And Dom has two double beds in this room. Yeah, you need that. And you're always a double bed guy? No. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, no. The only thing I ever asked from a room was, can I get a king bed? But... So he's got one bed, the other bed, which he's clearly slept in, and yeah. this one, which is pristine. Made. Yeah, and pristine. you're ironing with your butt right now. So I came and lied on his bed. Like, what's the big <laughs> deal? He's not sleeping in this bed. Am I wrong here, people? It's like a couple of weeks ago. Is this weird? BX yeah. is smelling his socks. Is this weird that I'm lying on the unused bed? And there's one Sportsnet personality who shall not go. Uh, by name because I don't like to slander people without them being here to defend themselves but he always asks for two double beds because he wants to throw his luggage <laughs> luggage on one you've mentioned on that one before. yes so this is it's not Dom as far as I know Might be. but but Dom says he says well why are you lying on my bed like that I said you're not using this bed he goes well I don't know if I'm going to get that other bed made up so I might want to sleep on that one Oh, and I was, I was oh, like, "What? Kitten. Oh, little kitten isn't gonna get his bed." That, okay, that is. Am I wrong or is that weird? You can't sleep in the same bed two nights in a row. All right. How about this? Is this one wrong? rule in ho- in hotels? Oh, okay. If you guys all don't know this, is yeah. don't drink out of the glasses. But I have never heard that you can't sleep in the same bed two nights in a row if it's not made up. What about the uh, the protocol of lying in another man's bed without shoes or socks on? If they were, that's what you're doing to Dom right now, and it, now you're gonna expect him to sleep in that. No, I don't. He's gonna sleep in the other bed. <laughs> like if this was his bed, it would be absolutely a foul. Oh, all right. It's it's what hockey people call a gross misconduct. Oh, gross! Because that's I will fair. say this: there's nobody who hates feet more than I do. I think feet are the most disgusting body part. You wish you could be outside of the room when you take your socks off. Uh, even I can't even stand my feet, but. Like, this is not the bed he's sleeping in, so it's not that bad. I don't understand. Elliot, it's not your decision. 
Yeah, I, I kind of I, I understand that, but I'm I'm trying to defend myself as much as I can here. <laughs> All right, well, it's a pretty flimsy defense, Your Honor. But what a waste of the start of a podcast. Well, come to Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast in Seattle, in Dom's room. We've established that. Presented Happy as New always Year by GMC Sierra. By Happy the- New Year to all the great listeners of our podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, as Elliot mentioned, we are in Seattle. Uh, you are going to hear. We did a number of interviews today. So you're going to hear a collage of pretty much all of them, whether it's Ron Francis, GM of the Seattle Kraken, uh, Kelly McCrimmon, GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, Bruce Cassidy, coach, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, or Jack Eichel, star center for the Vegas Golden Knights. You will hear from all of them over the course of this podcast. Uh, and we'll get to the Winter Classic here in a sec. Yes, Elliot. Oh, I was going to ask you about this morning. This morning was really good. Ron Francis was really happy to do this interview today. He was? Yeah. Good. He's in a great mood. Good. Because you weren't there. <laughs> yes, I walked right into that Elliot was, Elliot was so I in transit. Late. Elliot I, was I worked late night, yeah. on, uh, on Saturday night, and uh, I, I didn't realize that the, the Toronto to Seattle route does not have a direct mm-hmm. in the morning. So, you know, I flew Toronto, Chicago, Chicago, Seattle. And when people heard I was going through Chicago, it could be like, danger. Are you nuts? Yeah. Are you insane? You never take a connection through O'Hare unless you have nine hours to find your way through it. Yeah. And I only had about 45 minutes, but I was fortunate. Someone up there likes me. Smooth connection. Nice. Smooth trip. And uh, I didn't I didn't get a chance to see. like the, You know the one thing I really, like the one person I really wanted to meet today? Hmm. Marshawn Lynch. He was there. Yeah, I know. I couldn't make it to the field this morning yeah. to see him on time. I love Marshawn Lynch. I think he's one of the funniest guys around. Uh, I love that he's a, a minority partner of the Kraken. I think it's 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 a great thing to have him part of the team. I've heard that you know when he comes in and he does team nights, like they have one of those promotions where they, they give an award to a fan during a yep. commercial break. When he does it, he's great at it. Uh, very very willing to do things. Uh, I I really wanted to get a chance to speak to him. Uh, today, but unfortunately, I didn't get here early enough to do so. You know, Jeff, one of the things that happens when you're here is you think about, okay, here we are at the 2024 Winter Classic. What are they thinking about for 2025? And number one, there's no Heritage Classic next year. There was a Heritage Classic this year. They generally skip on, off, on, off. So there's no Heritage Classic in Canada next year. But 2025, they were saying to me, okay, I was asking, and they're like, who do you think we'd want in the 2025 Winter Classic? That's on you to figure out. And you know who jumped out at me? Connor Bedard, Chicago Blackhawks. So I don't know if it's going to be in Chicago or it's going to be with Chicago. But I would not be surprised at all. As a matter of fact, I would bet that the Chicago Blackhawks and Connor Bedard will somehow be involved in the 2025 event. You're going to hear from Ron Francis, Kelly McCrimmon, Jack Eichel, Bruce Cassidy, all still to come. Meanwhile, the headline story outside of the Winter Classic today around the NHL, Elliot, Steve Steos is now the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, also the president of Hockey Operations. Dave Poulin is now the senior VP of Hockey Operations. And Ryan Bonus is an associate general manager. There's a lot of questions that fall out of this, but your initial thoughts on the news today. I, I was a little bit surprised because if you'd heard um, everything coming out of the Senators, it was 
um, that they liked that Mike Andlauer, the owner, liked the Montreal setup, the Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes setup, and that Ottawa would follow the same model. And it's not exactly what happened. Um, so I, I was a little bit surprised. And also with the timing. Um, my I have several different reactions. First of all, I'm going to give credit to Ron McLean because Ron McLean said to me, he predicted right away when the GM change happened. It's going to be Steos? He predicted yeah. it was going to be Steos. I think there were some other people around the league did. One other listener to this podcast said it too, um, that he thought it was going to be Steos. And those people were right. I had heard, uh, and I think I'd mentioned on the pod and written, that there was definitely a feeling that Ryan Bonus was growing into a bigger role. Mm-hmm. That given the opportunity under the you plan God last rule of <laughs> there was supposed to be no change and yeah. then there was a change. They were really impressed with what he brought to the table. And like, uh, like I don't, I think there's a few people out there who really believe that long-term Ryan bonus, if he's not going to be the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, he's going to be a general manager in the not too distant future. And I think the Sanders would prefer it would be with them. Right. So I, I'm i not surprised that he got promoted. My initial reaction to it was, why now? Like, they didn't do a big search. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, there's, there's, there's a lot of people in the sport who like Dave Poulin. They were definitely looking for a more experienced person. There's no question about that. Um, what I'm kind of wondering is... Does this mean they have some other things they're thinking about? Like coaches? I'm thinking coaches, trades, whatever it might be. I, like, like that's the thing that when, when I saw that today and I was still on the plane and I had a chance to process it, that's what I thought. Did they have, because they didn't have to do this today. They could have interviewed more people and then still come back to Dave Poulin. Yep. What it says to me is, they have some things that they're considering and they wanted the people in place to do it. So what happens in January around the NHL? Trade talk starts to pick up. Teams know where they're at, where they're heading, what they need to prep for. And that's probably it. Because I was like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so why now? Yeah. And my thought is, this is now when teams have pretty much made decisions on where there, there are some teams that are still maybe, 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 maybe. But most teams by now, they know what's under the hood. Yep. And they're going to start to act accordingly. Yep. That's why I thought it was made now. It, I, it makes it makes sense to me. You know, they like I said, they didn't have to do this now. So the fact that they did, they wanted some certainty. Um, they wanted to move along the process. You know, I, I have to say this. There's been a lot of talk about John Gruden, the coach of the American Hockey League Marley's team. Yep. As I understand it, I don't think Ottawa is expecting Toronto to give them permission in season. Now, I confess, I asked around about this about mm-hmm. a week or so ago, so things can always change. But my the initial reaction I was getting was, this isn't going to happen during the season. And it wasn't only the it, case with Gruden. I think there were other people that Ottawa wanted to talk to that they were told, 
not in season or they knew it wasn't going to be allowed to happen in season. People will point to the Rangers situation with Chris Knobloch and the American Hockey League team and will say, well, Knobloch was allowed to go. But I would maintain in that situation, that's early in the season. I mean, you're getting deep into the season here now. I think to, that's to, I to, think to, that's to actually coach, different. To let I, it, it, it is a different scenario because, listen, Peter Laviolette's first right. year head coach. He was not going to be it's, the coach the, of the Rangers. All I'm saying is the, the situations are not the same. Yeah. That's why you can throw the Rangers example out. Because, but that will come up. And yes, and you know, I think with Ottawa, I I don't think they're looking to make massive moves. Like I, I still think that they're, but you know, I I will say this: Ottawa has kind of surprised us a little bit here this year. Um, you know, that used to be a pretty leaky organization, and Ed Lauer and Steos are certainly trying harder yeah. to get their raps about it. But like this one, again. It kind of happened at a time I don't think a lot of people were expecting. So I think the message we're getting under like the Andlauer Steos ticket is expect the unexpected. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if they're we, very much in charge and expect the unexpected. I agree with you on the first one. I'm not so sure about the second one. We'll okay. see. But what I look at on Sunday was this is the this is the cement hardening. This is the concrete hardening around Steos and Ann Lauer with the firm grip on the steering wheel of the Ottawa Senators. The only well, one of the only things left here now, as you mentioned, is the coaching situation. Yeah. But as far as the team being run, that's done. The idea that, oh, you know what, we're going to make our decisions at the end of the year. There's going to be more of a thorough search. And we all know what happened with, you know, Pierre, Pierre Dorian and, and everything that's that's gone on. To me, Sunday was a cementing of these two guys have their hands on the wheel. That's it. I don't know about the, un I'm not so sure about the unexpected. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's the only thing that I'm not sure. Of. Like, I don't think there's going to be like a massive change of direction. For the Ottawa Senators, I think they've identified their core and they know who their team is and where they're heading, and they're going to build and complement that core. You know, I, I don't, in theory, I don't disagree with you. Here's where I do disagree with you. At the beginning of the year, what did we think? Dorian Smith all season. Yep. Now, I heard when that penalty was coming down for the draft pick, I did hear lookout yep. that that could lead to a change with dj everything was we're gonna hang on we're gonna hang on we're gonna hang on until they just decide we can't hang on anymore and you know with with the gm search even though some people predicted it properly from the beginning like ron i i think a lot of us were expecting it wasn't going to happen yeah. now so when i say you can expect the unexpected i think that they are very good at saying this is what we're planning, but if things change, we're going to adapt for sure. fast. For sure. So that that says to me that you know someone's going to hear this and say you're calling them liars. I'm not calling them liars. I think that you they set an expectation and a path, and they almost lure us to sleep. 
and then <laughs> whoa the path changes i mean yeah. you just have to be prepared now i agree with you i think they're looking at this like this is our team for a long time yeah and whoever they hire as their coach they're going to be hopeful that this is their coach for a long time and you know you mentioned and we've talked about this identifying the core like i think they're 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 identified their core too and i think it's at that age group it's Kachuk, it's Stutzla, it's Batherson, it's Norris, Sanderson, it's Sanderson, it's uh, Chikrin, and it's um, Shabbat. Shabbat, who I do think they consider as part of their core. But the only thing is, just as someone looking at it from outside, I think we shouldn't be surprised anymore if Ottawa calls audibles. Like I don't think they're looking to make big changes to their core. I think they're looking to do some things around it and bolster it. However, I, I think what we've learned right now is maybe they might proclaim one thing, but it doesn't mean it's going to go that way. Where's Shane Pinto in all this? Well, he's back there now. Uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago about how he'd moved back into the city. Um, Jacques Martin said on Sunday he now has a stall. Yep. Uh, I th I think his first game back is January 21st against Philly, and I think he's allowed to practice 10 days beforehand, but now he's allowed to kind of be around. And yep. I would expect, I would expect that he's going to sign his qualifying offer this year, prorated. However, I have heard, unconfirmed by team and agent, that they have. Since the GM change, they have talked about a longer-term deal. So he would be in that core he is picture. Sorry, yes. Core picture. He is definitely part of the core. I forgot to name him because I had heard some rumors uh, about Pinto potentially being out there that the team wanted to move on. Yeah. And I was told in several places, in no uncertain terms, that they were, you know, they were they, they were planning to keep him, and he, they considered him a big part of the group. Now. Jeff, you know, you make a really good point that maybe this is just a new group getting in and they're trying to say, okay, this is our group and eventually there won't be that many changes. I'm just saying as someone who covers the league, Ottawa's giving a a definite vibe of expect the unexpected. Yeah. Don't be, yeah, well, wait for the head fake. <laughs> wait for here the head fake. Here comes the head fake. Larry Berg, peak night. Nobody had better head fakes <laughs> than Larry Bird. Uh, okay, we've talked a lot about goaltenders um, all season. Yeah. Let's do it again. Uh, goalies on waivers, Ilya Samsonov and Eric Comrie, Toronto and Buffalo. Okay, so I actually want to start, if you don't mind, can we just mention Winnipeg for a second? I'm going to tie all this in. Okay. So Winnipeg had a huge weekend. Um, as we record this podcast on New Year's Eve, they are third in the league in points percentage behind the Rangers and, and Boston. And they just played uh, Minnesota back-to-back -back and won both games. And Hellebuck won one and Brassaw won the other. And um, but, but I will say this. I had a long talk. Like, I was doing a lot of GM calls on Saturday uh, about where are we going goalie-wise. And I had a long talk with a couple guys about Hellebuck. And I know that there were a lot of people who were skeptical of that deal and we're in year one of seven. We'll see where it goes. But you know what? I had a really interesting conversation with one GM could compare goalies to NFL quarterbacks. 
Raise your hand if you're a fantasy football champion. Oh, Jesus. Elliot and Dom, great. You should play fantasy football, Jeff. It takes 10 years off I need life. more distractions in my life. Yeah, my hair's not gray enough. It gives, gives you heart attacks. Anyway, um, he was comparing it to football quarterbacks. Okay. And he's like, there's eight studs. Uh-huh. There's Lamar Jackson. And there's Tua, although he's struggling right now. And there's Justin Herbert. And, you know, there's there's a couple of really good quarterbacks. And then there's there's like a bunch of quarterbacks you just plug in and you don't know if they're going to be good anywhere. And like he mentioned Joe Flacco. And for those of you who play football, fantasy football or a football fan, Joe Flacco wins a Super Bowl with Baltimore. Um, people debate how good he really is. Like there's this big online debate. Is Joe Flacco really elite? He go he leaves the Ravens. He goes to a couple teams. It's, it doesn't go very well. And now he shows up in Cleveland and he's he looks better than he ever has. And one GM said to me, he says, I'm watching Joe Flacco and I'm following his career path. He goes, It's like a goalie in the NHL. Like sometimes you have no idea what to expect. Why is this guy good with this team? And why is this guy good not good with this other team? Like he said, perfect example, Cam Talbot. Should be a perfect answer for this all teams play differently like whenever we talk with kevin woodley what does he always say yeah not all goaltenders fit with every single team 100 performance cannot be replicated because all teams are different you know but what his point was with hellebuck and and winnipeg is that and, and he says in his organization he's like one of those teams that always debate do you really need a goalie do you really need a goalie you really need to have a goalie. And he said, watching Hellebuck this year, and, you know, the Jets and Hellebuck weren't sure that was going to work. Yeah. And it happened in, in in October or September. He said, it is a reminder, if you have one of those eight quarterbacks, if you have one of those eight goalies, you hang on to them for as long as you can. Yeah. You know, it, I, I do find that because I find it interesting because – like you, I've heard the comparison before. NHL goaltenders are like NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. That's how valuable they are. And I, I think what, and it certainly drives me goofy sometimes when I think about it, why aren't they the highest paid players in the NHL then? Like, what was the conversation we had last podcast? Who's the MVP? The league minimum salary backup. Yeah. Like, when you consider how important goaltenders are to your team, why are they not the highest paid? Well, I think it's because, A, there aren't that many of them. And you know, I think Price's injuries scared some teams off. I agree with that. Like, generally, I think if you take a look at these goalies, like, Lundqvist was signed when he was 31 years old, and he made six and a half years of that deal. Mm-hmm. Like, he did, you know, he. And there were a lot of people saying, that's crazy. I think goalies have a later prime. But the goalie market right now, it, it's it's crazy, Jeff. Like so, as you said, there's two guys on waivers on on Sunday. I don't think there's I don't think anyone's claiming Samsonov at, no. at three million. I think he's going to the American. He's going to the American Hockey League. Who's not going to play next week? Again, what are they going to do with him then? He's gonna he's gonna practice, yeah. and I think they're gonna work with him off the ice. You know, I heard a really interesting story about Samsonov. And someone said to me that one of the concerns they really had about him right now is apparently at times he was practicing very well. 
and it wasn't obviously translating into games. And I think teams, they get into, uh, you know, they, that's when teams are really stuck. Like, what do we do here? You know, what do we, because you can't just say, oh, the guy's going to have a good practice and he'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was happening. He was having really good practices and it wasn't working. So they're going to just work with, like, I, I, one thing that really amazed me is how both Kelly and Kevin were adamant that playing in the American Hockey League is not going to help this. So they're going to work on his mental game. They're going to work with him. They're going to work on his his practicing, and they'll see where they are in a week. And the one thing I heard trade-wise was I, I heard they did not like what was being offered to them. I heard that it wasn't like someone was saying to me, like they were saying, okay, do we, can we throw like a sixth rounder out and get someone? And they didn't even like, like teams apparently were saying, no, we like, we want a prospect or something. So that's how crazy the market is. Like, is that the, the market or is that specifically Toronto? Well, I, no, I, I, cause like Carolina would have made a goal, a deal for a goalie if they could have. Yeah, New true. Jersey would probably have made a deal for a goalie if they, Edmonton would have. It's like, like, I just think like these, like even the middling goalies are the, the prices are, are crazy. These teams are so the tough thing with Comrie is I think Comrie is a better goalie than he's shown. The salary is the killer at 1.8. Nobody's really got, but you know, someone was saying to me that they think with like Anaheim, for the trade for Gibson and the retention. That's huge. It's enormous. That's huge. I know you always roll your eyeballs when I say first rounder, but retention will get you a first rounder. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not I, rolling I, I my really, I really believe that. I'm not rolling my eyeballs at that. And if I was before, I'm not anymore. Like, I, I do think if you want Anaheim to retain... It's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost. Now, it's still... It, but, but, I mean, who can take that contract? all by itself they can but you're 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 gonna attach something to it and you know i i think the same thing with jake allen like he's at what 3.85 next year i i think that that's another one i don't think the price for allen is obviously as high as it is for gibson it's interesting though like i i've had teams say to me that um there's what montreal has asked for and what people think they're really willing to do and the the question is, when do you move them to what they're really willing to do? I'll, I'll tell you this. One goalie whose name I heard a little bit was Kakanen from San Jose. Expiring deal. Expiring deal. And if you look at the underlying numbers, uh-huh. money puck numbers, very good goal save above expected. And the team's underlying numbers that we don't see mm-hmm. do contribute to that. I think there's a few teams that kind of thought about him. Number one, what's the price? Yep. Number two, the only negative I heard was that you just don't know. He's never really had to do it before. Say that he's having a great year. He, they, people think he's good, but it's like that Flacco thing they kind of talked about. Yeah. You know, like, I, and, and my point was like, my God, he can't be a system goalie because, you know, San Jose is giving up a lot of goals, so you have to like him. But I just think that I know there's some teams out there where a little bit, what price am I going to have to pay for a guy I haven't seen yet? But teams like him, they do. Well, those conversations start to heat up now. 
Uh, and we'll see what happens with the Maple Leafs and the Buffalo And I Sabres. mention this every time we talk about uh, Toronto, and I'm doing it again. I think Nylander is priority number one there, and it's the thing that they're trying to do. You have a spidey sense on that one? It's always tingling. <laughs> I am always... No, I'm not. Don't, don't <laughs> it's always tingling. We're talking about Nylander. Yeah, that situation, that's right? right? Oh, okay. It's always tingling. Just want to make sure. Um, one other thing I want to mention about Carolina. Yeah. I'd heard that some teams had talked to them about bunting. You mentioned that on Saturday. Yeah. yeah I, and I got to tell you, one of the teams I wondered about was... I, you know, there's there's a GM out there who knows them pretty well. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. All right. Well, we'll see where that one goes. Um, Washington Capitals. Good return for him, though. In, uh, Scored a big in goal. Toronto. Big goal. Scored a big huge goal. goal. Uh, Washington Capitals have now lost four straight games. Yep. Uh, the game against Nashville, the disallowed goal, the Alexander Ovechkin goal, the Nick Dowd in front of Yaroslav Askarov, which I don't think you liked so much. You know, Kelly Rudy, God bless his heart. He's the nicest man alive. A goalie could commit grand larceny, <laughs> rob a bank in broad daylight, and he would say, there's something there that doesn't convince me the goalie is actually guilty. <laughs> I didn't like that call. I judge everything by if a goal gets taken off in the playoffs, how am I going to feel about that? Mm -hmm. And I would hate if that goal got taken away in the playoffs. Number one, doubt is not in the crease. You okay if that being a Stanley Cup championship goal? Yes. Yes, I am. Doubt is not in the crease. You don't have to be in the crease. I know you don't have to be in the crease, but as you have said many times, the crease often tells the tale. It's one. It's a big tell. Yeah. That's where, like, okay, that put it this way: the crease is where you don't presume innocence; you assume guilt. Yes, that's how I see the crease. Yes, and you have to prove that you're innocent. You don't Here, have to convince someone you're guilty. You have to convince people that you're innocent when you're in the crease. That liability is sky high. Here is my scientific method of determining if a goal <laughs> oh, good luck. Is, is good or not. Uh, Am I okay if the Stanley Cup is decided on that goal? And the answer is yes, I am. And the reason is because I don't think that's enough to overturn a goal. I now, just don't. You saw Nick Dowd's right skate and Askarov stick get pulled to the side. Yeah, but but again, Askarov is now outside listen, the crease. Now listen, I would I would make the argument. Oh, sorry, Dowd is outside the crease. He is. I would make the argument that that's part of incidental contact, and I don't mind a little bit of bumping with yeah, goaltenders. I, I'm I'm good with that. But I, again, I'll come down to how strict do you want to read the letter of the law? His My skate. Gets tied up and his. And Are you okay with that goal deciding the Stanley Cup? I am. I am. I think push to shove, yes, but I'm not as I'm not as firm on it. Okay, as because I don't like the slope where that takes us. Like that goal being disallowed, and all of a sudden we've got a Jack Edwards freakout on Sunday. Oh, in the Detroit when game. a Detroit goal <laughs> gets scored, and Jack is a frequent listener to this pod. <laughs> 
That when he declared open war on goaltenders, that was awesome. He's not entitled to make contact with the goaltender, even if he's out of yeah. the paint. So it's open season on goalies if they leave the blue paint. Wow. I think I think I think Jack Edwards wanted everyone to know. You know, I've been off for a couple of days. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm back. I'm back. That was awesome. You know, that one to me was a bit more cut and like to me, that one was more cut and dried. Swimming was outside the crease, but I understood it. Yeah. Like if if you watch that game, if you watch that game in in Washington the night before, you could sit there and you could say, well, wait a second. Those don't look very different to me. Yeah. That's what I don't like. Even though I, I, I saw the Swayman thing a lot more clearly than the Askarov thing, I think both of them should have had the same result. Here's what I'll come to on the on the um uh, on the argument about uh, Askarov and Dowd. I wonder if it comes down to who had that position first, whether it was in the crease or outside the crease. And this was Dowd is outside the crease. Who had that position first? Is that what maybe it comes to? Maybe. Again, I go back to the more goals we have look like that getting taken away, I think it's just bad. Now, the other thing, too, that was interesting was someone said to me that if you look at the clock... It counts down to under a minute, which means it can be a review. Yes. But when does the puck enter? Ah. It, it was interesting. Like they felt that it's that should have been Nashville's challenge, not the NHL's challenge, because the puck actually enters the net. Yeah. Hmm. With a little over a second left, a little over a minute left. Excuse me. You know, a little bit more on Winnipeg and Minnesota. I've been going back and forth with people on this ever since the Winnipeg Jets move from Atlanta back to Manitoba. And that is, I'm really waiting. And every now and then there's a little mini eruption. I'm still waiting for the Winnipeg-Minnesota rivalry. You know, we always talk about either lost rivalries, uh, Boston-New York, uh, Detroit-Montreal, or new rivalries, uh, Anaheim and Arizona coming to mind. Uh, we saw, Elliot, what hopefully will be the beginning of a lovely, nasty rivalry between the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild. Province to state. Nasty games. How do you like Lowry and Maroon? Going for it. Let's go. Right off the (laughs) face-off. Let's go. Uh, Middleton and Dillon yesterday, or Saturday. Saturday. The injuries, Gustafson and Kaprizov. Kaprizov might never play another game in Winnipeg. (laughs) Um you know that was a, that should have been a penalty, but it's not like people are like he should be suspended. That's uh, that's that's not a suspension, but it is it is a penalty. Um, that was a heck of a reverse hit by Kaprizov too. Um, I mean, Hellebuck is in particular, and Brossois too. They're making Winnipeg play nine feet tall. Yep, like that that team feels really, really good. And you know what what someone was saying to me today is that. You know, Winnipeg, Minnesota is a really physical team. Their whole identity is punish you, right? Yeah. If you can punish the Minnesota Wild, people notice that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
people recognize it. Minnesota doesn't get thrown around too much, if at all. And there's going to be players who watch that and say, the Jets, they stood up to them, eh? They pushed them around a little bit, eh? Hmm. So when you look at Coach of the Year, a lot of talk about Rick Tockett. Yeah. A lot of talk about John Tortorella. Yeah. A lot of talk about Peter Laviolette. Yeah. And Jim Montgomery. Yeah. Rick Bonus. Can you do like a bonus slash Arneal combination? <laughs> well, he, he did handle the team for a while, yes. Yeah. Still got half a season to go here, but I'm just saying, I know, but you know me. I like to hand out the awards every week. Yes, I know. The winner I of the the winner of the Hart Trophy this week and the winner of the Vesna Trophy next week. I know you do. You know how I I obsess about these things, Elliot. Um a uh, quick couple of things on the on the World Juniors, and I know you want to talk about um the geeky hit and the geeky ejection. Yeah. Is that just a matter? Because I looked at that one and I said, okay, I've watched enough international hockey to understand where they're going here. Um, one, Geeky's big, and the guy that he hit isn't as big as him, and he hit him hard. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, like, I can still remember. Remember when, like, Dion Phaneuf caught, you know, Radoslav Olesh? And we all looked at that and went like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Well, he got punted for it. Like, I remember that one, we're, yes. we're used to seeing players get ejected for hitting too hard. Yep. So it didn't come as any surprise to me. I know that maybe newer fans that don't watch a lot of international hockey might look at that and go, what? It's a hit. It's not his fault that he's bigger, and it's not his fault that it made a great hit, open ice. Uh, how did you see it? First of all, it was a, it was a huge, massive hit. 11 uh, seconds in. <laughs> 11 seconds in. I, I mean, like I, I don't think that should be a penalty. But I understand that, look, if I was playing for Team Canada in an international tournament under double IHF rules, you do have to understand that that can happen to you. Yeah. You have to be ready for that. Like, the, they, like I'm sure all those kids are told, this is not like hitting in the Western Hockey League no. here. So that's my reaction, is yeah. in North America, that's never a call or rarely a call or a reviewed call that they overturn. In the international events, that's going to be a penalty every time. You know, it's my unpopular opinion. You know, people talk about, and one thing I do agree with is we have less of a stomach for injuries than we ever did. We like a tough game until someone gets hurt and then none of us like to see it. Elliot, you can't have both. I know. I'm just saying that. You can't have both. Like two of the most popular sports in the world right now. Well, one of them in. In North, what's the, what's the king in North America, the NFL? Yeah, which they've taken a lot of big hits out of, but it's still a dangerous, violent game. Yes, one of the most popular sports in the world right now. Yeah, UFC. Yeah, hugely popular. I think people are willing to accept or like violence more than they are willing to let on. I think a lot of people are like that yeah. until somebody gets injured. But again, that's being hypocritical. It is. I want this incredibly violent of, and safe. Um, I think okay. a lot of people are like that, though. I always say the same thing. You know what? If you said, you know, Jeff, um, starting right now, you can only park your car when you're driving 50 miles an hour. You know, eventually I might learn how to park my car driving 50 miles an hour, but I'm going to smash a lot of cars along the way. 
you cannot have it dangerous and safe at the same time. Thank God I don't live anywhere near you. <laughs> a couple of other things from the uh, the World Juniors. Just cause I get these notes, and I'm sure you do as well. What have you heard uh, about some of these players uh, coming off the World Juniors? Because that's when trade trade deadline, yes, to pick up. And so, just reading tea leaves, um, uh, it very much sounds like. Oh, we just mentioned Connor Geeky from Wenatchee. It looks like everything is pointing towards him ending up in Swift Currents. Um, uh, Geeky is, of course, a Arizona Coyotes first-round draft pick. Matthew Savoy is a Buffalo Sabres first-round draft pick. Also plays at Wenatchee. Looks like he's off uh, to the Moose Jaw Warriors. There's some... I, I can't really get a handle on either if or if where uh, Nate Danielson could be headed. He's a Detroit Red Wings first-round pick playing for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. A couple of people have told me, watch for U.S.-based teams, maybe... Uh, the Portland Winterhawks. We'll see what happens there. Uh, in the Ontario Hockey League, I think all eyes are on Owen Beck, the Montreal Canadiens second rounder. He plays for Peterborough, and it very much sounds like if he is on the move, that the uh, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds may be the uh, clubhouse leader and the odds-on favorites to land him. An interesting trade on Sunday, the Saskatoon Blades picking up Alexander Suzdalev from the Regina Pats, or his rights from the Regina Pats. He's a third-round pick of the Washington Capitals, played with Connor Bedard last year with the Pats. A really highly skilled player. The Washington Capitals, Elliot, had placed him on a pro team in Sweden, mm. but uh, they agreed to release him provided he went to a contender or a top team, and the Blades are the top team in the in the Western Hockey League. So he goes to Saskatoon. Uh, he'll be available January 5th. Uh, for that team that earlier on the season made the deal for Fraser Minton, uh, second on draft pick for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's what it sounds like, first blush, from some of the big names around the CHL after the World Juniors. Nice work. There we go. Uh, Elliot, quick note, Steven Stamkos, who uh, we recently saw have a, should we call it a fight, with Aaron Ekblad last week in that Tampa, Florida game. That was a mean game. <laughs> Great rivalry. Yeah, man. Most games played in the Lightning history. Awesome. Steven Stamkos. Never wanted to leave. Still doesn't want to leave. Mm. We'll see how this all plays out. Spidey sense? Uh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> let's celebrate the great moment for a change. Um, again, the the thing about Stamkos is, go back a decade, and didn't we all think he was cursed? Oh, Yeah. I still rem- I still remember that like it was yesterday, him sliding into the net in that game against Boston. Oh man. And what did we all say? Is that gonna be the end of what could be a great career? And all of the injuries, the blood clot. Yeah. Just and and he's built a Hall of Fame career. Okay, uh we'll hit a break. We'll come back with the Montana's thought line and then the collage. Our interviews here from the Winter Classic in Seattle. You'll hear from Ron Francis. You'll hear from Kelly McCrimmon. You will hear from Jack Eichel. And you'll hear from Bruce Cassidy. All still to come on today's podcast. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back to the podcast. You know who made my day today, Elliot? Who that? Dan Duva, play-by-play voice, Vegas Golden Knights. I'll explain why in a second. 
Welcome to the Montana's Thoughtline, presented by Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. Try the ribs. That's why. Oh, yeah, he said that to us, right? At the lobby of the hotel. That's all right. of a sudden, someone from the back, try the ribs. <laughs> hey, thanks, Dan. That was great. That made my day. Anyway, 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca is the email address 1 311 3232. Encore again. 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca 1-833-311-3232. Brian submits this one. Uh, Last episode, you guys said it was legal to carry the puck on your stick. Would the NHL allow players to use that tactic in a shootout? I can imagine Connor Bedard at center ice picking up the puck on his stick blade, skating in on the opposition net, and whipping the puck past the goalie lacrosse style. Would this be allowed? As a further thought... Maybe some players would think of using special sticky tape on their stick blades for the shootout to facilitate picking up the puck and keeping it on the stick. By the way, that's called friction tape, Mm. two-sided tape, also referred to as Gordie Howe tape because Gordie used to use the two-sided tape. I've tried it before, and anyone who else has tried two-sided tape, it's great. It sticks to your stick, but by the time the third period rolls along, your stick gets heavy because oh, yeah. it absorbs water. Anyhow, uh, would the NHL allow that, Elliot? I, I actually think that the NHL would allow anything in overtime that isn't, or anything in a shootout that isn't <laughs> felony murder. <laughs> of course. Do you know that? They, they do you know of anything that, that says that. you can't do that? No, no, no. You're allowed. Yeah, you can. You can do that. Like you could pick the. There's only one thing that I have a question about because you could scoop the puck up lacrosse style and yeah. skate with it. Yeah, that's no problem. Here's my question. If someone slashes your stick, because that's the only way to get it off your blade, unless mm-hmm. you're going to body check the person, which I suppose you could and probably should do. If you slash the player to get the puck off their stick, is that a minor penalty? I, I don't know. I, I don't spend any time <laughs> referee free stuff. Yes. <laughs> Look, I, the reason I would think it would be legal in the shootout is because technically you're not supposed to take the puck backwards in the shootouts. Correct. But once people started doing spinoramas, people argued, well, technically that puck's going backwards. Yeah. And Angel was like, Go away, fun police. We're going to count this. <laughs> so I, I just think anything would be allowed to happen. Uh, yes. Thank you very much for that question. Uh, here's one. I like this. Mike in Calgary. Hey, Jeff, Elliot, and Dom. My wife actually asked me this question the other night, and I thought it was a great question. When a player gets traded, let's use the door off to Vancouver. Okay. What is keeping Nikita from telling the Vancouver coaching staff everything that the Calgary coaching staff is working on? Do players have an NDA or are they free to say whatever they like? Love the pod. I listen religiously. I like that. Do players have to sign NDAs? Do you imagine? <laughs> Nikita, before we give you this plane ticket to Vancouver, you have to sign this NDA. No, they don't. They're... There's nothing that can prevent them from doing that. And I, I would assume they do. It's not like football, uh, where football, people like Bill Belichick were notorious for signing somebody who just, he's not the only one, signing somebody who was on the practice squad of a team they're about to play, yeah. and they could talk about all their stuff. That's just good strategy. Good strategy. That's just Greg's good strategy. And they hack into each other's apps, as the college football <laughs> coaches are now complaining about. Uh, and Elliot, let's finish up with this one, because we have all these interviews to get here in the, uh, uh, in the third part of the, uh, of the podcast. Austin from Churchill. Hey, guys, great job with the pod. What are your thoughts on adding new awards to the NHL? 
Like has, which ones? Has there been any talk of adding a comeback player or most improved player of the year awards like they give out in the NFL and NBA? I think it would be an interesting addition and a great feel-good story. Brock Besser is having an incredible season after and going through hell deserves to win something. What do you think? Cheers and go Jets go from Austin. We had this conversation about a comeback player of the year on the pod. And you know what someone said to me? It's the Masterton. We already have that. It's called the Masterton trophy. Eh, perseverance, dedication. I don't know. It's the I same as a comeback. I don't disagree. When I think of how that our award tends to get voted on, I don't disagree with that point. Okay. Uh, most improved player. Um, I've asked about that. There doesn't seem to be a lot of interest in that. What are awards? Marketing. There are things that you get for doing well. Right. It's marketing. It's part of the marketing. Although in the, the nurse the family, there are no participation <laughs> I love that. trophies. We got a lot of comments on that Sarah Nurse interview. She was great. Yeah, she was really good. Um, but I mean, awards are marketing. Yeah. A marketing for your sport and marketing for your stars. And I think as long as it's not absolutely ridiculous, uh, I don't mind. Like, I don't mind fragmenting uh, defenseman trophies at all. Offensive, defensive. I'm good with that. Can I tell you what I heard on the weekend? No, I think I'll just end the segment there. Okay. Someone told me that last year, some of the players disagreed with some of the awards voting more than they ever have. Like the winners or just who got votes or who didn't get votes? I think winners. Really? Yes. Because they looked at my ballot and said, well, Merrick's got it perfect. How come he's not represented properly? I heard one of the ones, they thought that the Norris was too lopsided. Really? Yes. What would they have liked to have seen? I I, I mean, Carlson kind of had a season for the ages. He did, but, but it was interesting because I think players were kind of like, look, I voted for Carlson 100 points. I was like, you got to vote for him. I just heard the players didn't really agree with that. Hmm. And I and, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up now is that I I heard it at the time and I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And it was brought back onto my radar last weekend. That they thought it was too lopsided. But did they still think that he should have won? But just not by that margin. I didn't get a we, great are we, answer. Are we like on splitting hairs the, on the, this Because one. I didn't get a great answer because one of the things that you always do is if you only speak to like three or four, Sometimes you're guilty of uh, yeah, assuming yeah. that three or four speaks for seven hundred. Yeah. But I do think I definitely got the sense that they felt it should have been closer. That Quinn Hughes should have had more. Didn't say who. Miro Haskin. Just said. <laughs> didn't say who. Just said. Did you talk lopsided. to Quinn Hughes and Miro Haskin about this? By the way, were those two of the players <laughs> that you talked to? The, the, the four players I talked to. <laughs> Were Quinn Hughes, Miro Hayskin, Charlie McAvoy, Alex <laughs> Petrangelo, and Charlie McAvoy. Okay. Uh, that's Montana's thought line. Montana's <laughs> Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. We're back with a collage of interviews from the Winter Classic in Seattle. Keep it here. Ah, 
Elliot, yet another start to another week. Now, other than the 32 Thoughts podcast, there's eh, not much else really to look forward to. Jeff, you are forgetting about Montana's Daily Deals. Their chicken wings are double-dusted in-house, cooked to a golden crispy finish, and they're half price on Mondays. Uh, half price? Half price every Monday and sauced however you like them. Well then, head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar for half price wings every Monday. The only other thing exciting about Mondays. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, earlier on Sunday, Elliot and I sat down with uh, some members of both teams you'll see at the Winter Classic, the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you will hear from Bruce Cassidy in this uh, collage of interviews, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. You'll hear from Vegas's general manager, Kelly McCrimmon. You'll hear from their star center, Jack Eichel. But kicking it all off, the general manager of the host, Seattle Kraken, here's Ron Francis. Elliot was traveling when this one was recorded. So finally, it's just me and a guest without Elliot wrecking it. Here's Ron Francis. First of all, Ron, this looks fantastic uh, behind us here. I, I am curious, from your position as general manager, what's been the most challenging thing about putting this event together? Actually, you know what? Uh, the NHL does a great job. They've done this for a long time, so they organize that. The Mariners have been fantastic to work with and in, in, mm-hmm. in helping get everything set up. Um, you know, probably the biggest thing is just in hosting, you've got everybody coming into town. So, you know, we're running somewhere close to about 300 uh, family and friends yep. that are in town for the event. So managing that, making sure we get as many people as we can on the ice to skate, as many people here to watch it, mm. uh, feeding them tonight on New Year's Eve and getting yeah. them into the building tomorrow has probably been the biggest challenge, but uh, it's a fun problem to have. You know, it's, it's, always, it's always fun, too, to see the local team put their flair and put their spice uh, on the event as well. Or some of the, or some of the more goofy ideas maybe that you heard or were pitched that got rejected. I'm always curious about that <laughs> around the table. Okay, someone, you know, no bad ideas, just throw them all out. You have a couple that you looked at, and eh, I don't know, we can do this. Yeah, I, I probably don't have anything for you. I really wasn't in a lot of that. We have the, the business side that kind of mm-hmm. and the marketing side that more or less took took on that from our standpoint. I know they did a really good job. Um, you know, our. our uh, Jersey's been well received. They've done a lot of advertising yep. in the city. Uh, you know, I think the city of Seattle is excited to have this event here and, and show our city off. I think our fans are really excited to be a part of it, and I know our players are just itching to get out there and play. I mean, as a kid growing up, mm-hmm. that's what you dream of, right? You, you, a lot of times we, we skate on the outdoor rinks, and now to yeah. have this chance to play is fantastic for our guys. It, it's become one of those items for players now. There's like, okay, I want to play. I want to win the Stanley Cup. I play my first game. I want to you know, score 50 goals, all-star, all that. This has become an item for NHLers now, right? No, it has. I mean, our guys have been really excited ever since they heard it was happening. Um, you know, and, and you know, they put a lot of time in now. Part of it is, is what are they going to wear? What are their outfits going to be as they, you know, they yeah. come off the bus tomorrow? So there's a lot of, you know, sort of effort into that. And then a lot of discussions with the players as to how we want to make it work and making sure that we take care of their families during this event too. So uh, really exciting. Um, our organization's thrilled that we're getting to host this and, Mm-hmm. You know, thanks to the NHL for giving us that opportunity because uh, we really appreciate it. I mean, listen, you're a legendary player yourself. Is there a part of you that says, you know what, maybe I was, uh, maybe I'd like to have played in one of these? You know what, uh, the closest I came was uh, the Penguins invited me to go back to uh, play in the alumni game yep. uh, there. So I, I did sort of get to, it wasn't the real deal, but yeah. uh, uh, unfortunately I was I was out of the game and didn't get the chance uh, when it came along. But uh, 
this is, this is just a special thing that the league does, and, and mm -hmm. uh, we're thrilled that we have it here in Seattle. What are the players saying to you about it? I mean, you mentioned already they're thrilled about it, but I mean, is this one of those like, hey, this yeah. is, this makes it worth it here? Yeah, no, they're all excited. I mean, uh, you know, you see them around the locker room. It's, it, and, and my concern as a GM is you know, there's so much planning for this, and you have to have these discussions, and you have to get them, you know, their bracelets and their credentials and everything else for them and their families. You know, is that going to take away from their prep leading up to this? But, you know, our guys have <clears throat> done a real good job focusing on, you know, the NHL schedule and games um, that are sort of laying in front of us, but also you can tell in the back of their minds they're, they're really yeah. excited to be here. Just spent some time walking through the locker room down there, and they all got smiles on their face, and it's, you know, they're like little kids again, which is great to see. That's awesome. Um, uh, let me ask you about your team. Um, really quickly, you've put together an impressive prospect pool. How many of the World Juniors right now? Uh, seven uh, now with Mr. Furkus flying over, and, yeah. and actually Shane Wright probably would have been there if we let him go. So, yeah, we've, we've got some good young pieces. Our, our scouting staff has done a real nice job in that area for sure. So how do you, I mean, expectations now after last year's season and make it to the playoffs and knocking off the, uh, the, the Stanley Cup champions, I mean, expectations certainly go up. How, how hard is it to say, you know what, these players are, are hands-off, or are they? Hands off. Like you always have an eye to the future, but knowing that this, we need to build on what we did last year. Yeah, no, I, I think right from day one, our approach was a little bit different. Um, you know, we knew going into the expansion draft, we weren't going to get the same kind of deals that Vegas got. I mean, the GMs had four years to prepare. They, they had time to go back and look at what they did and what they would do differently. Um, you know, Vegas had nobody sitting on the outside that could affect their yeah. expansion draft. Vegas made two trades. Nothing that they did wrong. That was, those were the rules, but they were allowed to make two trades, which sort of affected some of the rosters and the teams we picked. So going into it, we knew that really wasn't going to be an option for us. So part of the plan was to get the best possible team we could on the ice and be competitive each and every night, but also try and build from the ground up so that when we, uh, you know, when those kids start to roll into our system, that mm -hmm. we we're, we're, feel that we're a competitive team, not only for the short term, but for year after year and long term. So it's been a... A bit of a balancing act. We certainly think we've got a lot of good hockey players in our lineup, a lot of character individuals. Um, you know, that's why I think we were able to have the success we had last year. But we're also excited about what we have coming. So it determines, I guess, where we are at the, mm -hmm. at the time, whether we do certain things. But there are certain guys that absolutely would not be, uh, not be in play based on our strategy to build for the long term. How, how the phone calls then from other general managers? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's... There's always calls. You know, I always say, as a player, you're always scared to death you're going to get traded. <laughs> um, you know, as a GM, you make 100, 150 calls. You, you're lucky if you get one thing done. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's always conversations and stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a little interesting, too, with the cap situation with a lot of teams, mm -hmm. too. There's not a lot. It's not real easy to do things in, in, the, in this sort of environment right now. Uh, you mentioned Shane Wright a couple of seconds ago. Um, one thing that we do know about you is you have a plan. You have a plan for your team. You have a plan for individual players as well. What's the plan for Shane Wright? Kind of doing what we're doing, right? We uh, Last year we got him some NHL games. We got him back to the World Juniors. Uh, he was able to be captain on the team. They won a gold medal. Um, went back to juniors. He got back into Coachella. Um, they went all the way to the Calder Cup finals. They were in an overtime <laughs> game seven away from winning the Calder Cup. So a lot of experience there came into our camp. We reassigned him to Coachella again, and he's having a you know a decent year down there. Much better overall game from where he was a year ago, and that's our plan. We continue to work with him, continue to develop him, and uh, at some point he's going to get the opportunity to come up and, and mm -hmm. play here. But uh, 
you know, uh, we want to make sure we're doing it right for Shane and the organization uh, in the long term. Is he one of those players that you look at and you say, you know, we could call him up here for a fourth line <coughs> spot, but that's not where Shane Wright's going to be? Like, does it matter what the spot is, or do you say it's Shane Wright if it's not a top six spot? Well, you know, we spot. did that. We had some injuries earlier, and we, and we called him and went to 10 up, and, and they played three games, and all three were like 10 minutes or less. I don't like that as a GM because, yeah. you know, if he's coming up, I want to see him playing. If I, if I have him in Coachella, he can play 15-plus minutes a night. He can play in all situations. I'd like him when he comes up here to have that opportunity to play more minutes mm -hmm. and, and in more important roles where he can show what he can do, you know, power play being one of them for sure. Um, you know, this is kind of, at least it feels this way now. Uh, in that this season in the NHL has been the year of the backup goaltender. We had a number of teams with three goaltenders. I know everyone was terrified about Tampa and waivers and trying to get a guy down, etc. How do you look at the goalie situation in the NHL right now? And do you think this is here to stay? Well, you know, I, I think uh, there may have to be some discussions, you know, when we get into the offseason of how we, how we manage that a little bit. But... Um, you know, I think we've been no different. We, we went through this last year. We lost the goaltender for about 11 games. Um, you know, again, this year we lost Grubauer. We've got DeCord and Drieger playing for us. So, um, you know, they've done a real good job in the, in the interim. But, uh, you know, it, you're going to always deal with injuries, and we're no different. Like, we haven't played one game this year with the roster we thought we were going to start the season with. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but it's such a critical position, the goaltending position, right? So it's if you have your goaltender healthy and able to play, it gives you a huge advantage. And you're seeing it now not only you know, with us, but a lot of teams throughout the league, that that's such a critical position. Um, you know, I find it interesting that you know, I don't think the NFL would let, if the quarterback went down, some guy come out of the stands and dress and be the quarterback or uh, yeah. starting pitcher. You know, yeah. That's what we do right now. <laughs> so <laughs> is there something there that we need to discuss and kind of look at that yeah. a little bit differently, whether it's carrying a third guy or what have you? But uh, certainly I think it's... Uh, an interesting uh, point for all the all the GMs to have discussions on. I'm going to assume that that's come up before at general manager meetings, at least, uh, yeah, I think uh, whether been, formally or informally. Yeah, I think there's been some, you know, sort of uh, brief discussion on it, but you're seeing more and more of it, and, and mm -hmm. it's becoming more and more of an issue. So, you know, does that be, put it more on the forefront moving yeah. forward? We'll have to wait and see, but I, I would think it becomes more of a discussion point. Not a fan of the e-bugs? I think it's great, but, you know, I think, you know, you're, the, the points are so valuable. It's a yeah. tough situation to take somebody that, you know, maybe by day is an accountant or a singer or something, and now yeah. you're throwing them into a National Hockey League game, um, you know, at, at a critical point. Um, Matt Beniers, uh, remarkable season last year, Calder Trophy. Um, <coughs> what are the conversations that you have with him or Dave Haxtell has with him as he finds out that the second year in the NHL is more challenging than the first? Yeah, no, it's it's just sort of, um, you know, I think he went the first 13 games without a goal, all right? So you have a discussion with him and just make sure mentally that he's okay. You know, one thing about Matty, he's not going not gonna to change who he is. He continues to work hard in practice, continues to work hard in the game. So that's a positive, um, you know, just trying to lean maybe a little bit of your own experience. You know, I know in my position, you know, I played 23 years. It wasn't all 23 seasons that all went perfectly and yeah. never had a bad game or never had a bad stretch. And I always felt when you got into those stretches, the thing was to try and go back to the things that you do well, right? What is it that, that makes your game successful? And if you go back to those little things, it helps you kind of find your way. And mm -hmm. um, I was pretty confident that he wasn't going to go 82 games without a goal. <laughs> and, you know, try and lighten yeah. the mood a little bit with him and, and get yeah. him to relax a bit. But 
you know, he's, he's such a big part of the organization. Uh, I mean, now and moving forward, we just want to make sure that he's doing all right. But he's, it is a good league. Uh, and it's hard to score goals uh, in the NHL, as, as you well know. Um, do, you, do you think, I mean, this, is, this, is, uh, th this would make sense. Do you think he puts too much pressure on himself? I mean, he takes a lot of pride in knowing what he does, and he's an elite-level player. Do you think that there's a squeezing it too much sometimes with Beniers? I, I think if you get to this level as an NHL player, um, you put a lot of pressure on yourself in, in any situation. And, and Maddie's no different in that regard, right? He wants to help the team win. He wants mm -hmm. to score goals. He wants to make good plays. Those are things he wants to do. He's, he's, you know, he's a leader within our locker room. So uh, when things are, aren't going well, um, you know, it's harder to be the leader. And that's part of what the challenge has been to Maddie. Continue doing the things you do as a leader and, and, and continue to work on your game. But, um, you know, we, we believe he's going to be fine in the long run. Uh, last one for you. So uh, it is the, uh, the day before the Winter Classic. What does Ron Francis do? Try and enjoy it as much as I can with my family and, and, and my team. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've got a lot of people in. All my kids are in town. and My mom and brother, everybody's here. So we're going to we enjoy the day today. We've got the family skate. We're going to let uh, all our players and their families go out. And then we've got all our staff and them coming out to skate. And then we're doing a great big dinner tonight for about 300 people, all our family and players, wow. everybody in town, um, just because it's New Year's Eve and sure. to sort of spend some time with them. And then, uh, you know, sort of sit back and hopefully enjoy the game tomorrow as well. That's fantastic. Best of luck. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. Jack, thanks so much for joining us. So every hockey player has like a, a number of boxes they want to check for the career drafted, first contract, first game, first goal, Stanley Cup, all these types of things, awards, all-star. Where does Winter Classic fit in in that collection of boxes for you? Well, I think when they started this tradition, uh, is the first one was when? The first like real Winter Classic that they promoted and did was Buffalo, Buffalo Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, right? The snow Although, the snow since this game. does air in Canada, we don't want the Canadian hordes no, coming those after were, you. No, of <laughs> yeah. course not. Uh, but those games were majority, like they were known as the Heritage Classics, yes, that's right? that's correct, yes. So the first uh, winter classic was, was that one in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. and um, what, what year was that? What year was that? that 2008? Yes. Around then, Around so I would have been, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was a young kid, and I think watching that, and obviously Crosby had just come into the league, and um, I think every young hockey player was just a huge fan of him. Uh, so I, I think that tradition just continued to build each year, and you just dream about playing in one. Um, I, I have memories of being out on a pond in Winter Classic jerseys, whether it be the light blue Pens jersey that they wore in that Winter Classic or uh, Bruins Winter Classic uniforms. Um, so you always dream about doing it. Fortunately, I was uh, lucky enough to play uh, at City Field in, mm -hmm. in New York mm -hmm. against the Rangers uh, when I was with Buffalo. And it was a dream come true, and, and now to be able to do it again, um, you know, I feel very fortunate. It's, uh, it's an incredible experience. Uh, I think for us as players, it's also an incredible experience for your families and, and the people that you have here with you. I remember interviewing Crosby after that one in Buffalo when he scored in the shootout. And, you know, I said, it must be the greatest feeling in the world. You're in the middle of this huge stadium. Hmm. Uh, in that case, because they're on the road, everybody's booing him. And he goes out there in front of all those people and he scores the winner. And he said it was like Gladiator. He felt like he was in <laughs> Gladiator. And... 
You get to do a lot of incredible things as an athlete. I would imagine being in that position is as up there as it gets. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the yeah some of the historic Winter Classic moments. Uh, I know if I think back, obviously the Bruins overtime game against uh, Philadelphia at uh, Fenway Park was pretty cool. Um, you think about like Henrik Lundqvist save on Daniel Breer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other shootout, the game at the Big House was obviously pretty cool. Um, you know, went to a shootout as well between Detroit and Toronto. That yeah. was, you know, uh, I was living in Ann Arbor during the, during that uh, during that game when I was at the National Development Program, but um, I wasn't in town. I was actually overseas in the World Juniors, so I didn't get to go to that one. But uh, yeah, there's there's so many great memories uh, around the Winter Classic and, and this game and. Um, you just want to be on the right side of them. I, I, sorry, Jeff. I, I heard you skated with some of the kids this morning. Who's good? Uh, well, we get, yeah, Marshy's got, Marshy's got three. Uh, his kids, I've been on the ice with them before. Mm-hmm. Um, his three boys are, are pretty good. Are they like him? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if I compare him to him. I don't know. Um, his oldest, James, is a good player. His, his middle one, William, is really good. And uh, his youngest one, Henry, is uh, is a pretty good skater as well. I imagine they'll be really good players. And um, yeah, he's he's tough on them. Like they're always on the ice, they're always working. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty tough on them, but um, he takes a lot of pride in it. It's really it's really cool to see, uh, you know, be on the. Obviously, you grow up in your relationship with your dad when you're a young kid. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing, and. Um, you know, it's almost sometimes a love-hate relationship where they're pushing you and you don't quite understand it. As you get older, you're really thankful for it. Um, being able to be around, you know, my teammates and their kids, uh, it's a super cool experience. Um, you know, remember when Max Pacioretty was still here, uh, how how into his kids' hockey he was mm-hmm. and, and um you know, getting to know Marshy and his wife, and, and getting to know their kids, and and all they do for their their kids' hockey, it's uh, it's awesome to see. And um, you know, I hope they have you know so much fun being out there today. It's such a cool experience for you know not only them but all the kids uh, and all the families. You know, wives, girlfriends, uh, you name it. It's uh, you know, it's all part of this great experience that we get to have. You know, we always say like, that the Winter Classic is a great event. Um, it's a spectacular show, um, but the game isn't at NHL levels. It's not everything is, is controlled. Things are, things are different. How different is it? And do you even mind considering it's a, it's a spectacle and it's a cool thing to be like, how, right. how different is the ice, for example? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's, there's a lot of variables that go with it. Um, Temperature, ice, uh, glare. The glare. um, You have that hollow feeling underneath you a little bit because there's obviously, you know, when we play at a normal arena, it's it's concrete below us, below the ice. Whereas when, uh, you know, when you're on the ice here, you know, I don't know what they use to put underneath on the ballpark, but I imagine it would be wood, right? Um, You know, to try and protect the field. So there's there, there's some different variables. The the seating's different. The fans aren't right on top of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's you know a little bit different 
eyesight and uh, I was gonna the say dimensions sight, feel a little bit better. Sight lines off a little sight bit. Lines, yeah, sight lines are a little bit different. The dimensions feel a little different whether they are or they aren't. Um, you know, there's there's some variables that go with it, and uh, I think you just take them yeah. for what they are. Um, you're, we're very fortunate to be playing in this game, so uh, and, and everyone's dealing with the same variables, yeah. so uh, I think that's the best way to, to put it. I bet you when you th when you came into the NHL, you always said, "I'm going to play an outdoor game when it's going to be Vegas against Seattle." Yeah, that was my, <laughs> that was my first thought. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who would have thought, right? Who would have thought Vegas and Seattle a couple of, a couple of years ago would be playing in a Winter Classic when they first started this? So yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. You know, you have the two uh, precious franchises in the league, and um, you know, every time we come here to Seattle to play, uh, they have an incredible atmosphere. Um, you know, we feel like we have an incredible atmosphere at T-Mobile, and uh, so it, it should be uh, it should be a really cool experience for both franchises. Who do you guys hate the most? Is it the Kings, the Oilers, the Avalanche? <laughs> I don't know. The Wild, the Sharks, know. the Stars. Well, but the thing is, the, the Sharks rivalry was really hot before Jack. <laughs> really yeah. Hot yeah. yeah. But I'm wondering, like, uh, like I, I was watching guys against the Kings the other night. That was a great game to watch. Yeah. But I, but I was looking at that and saying, who do these guys hate the most? Yeah. You like, everybody hates sure. you because you're the right. champions. Right. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Um, you know, you're smiling. I'm sure, well, you know what? I'm sure different guys on our team mm -hmm. have, would have different opinions on that, who they specifically hate the most. So, What's yours? Uh, who would I hate the most? I, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a little newer here. It was my first playoff run, so um, these guys have a little more... Uh, scar tissue from some of these series they've had okay. yeah it, it's a good point though too because like it seems like you get every other team's best game like can Elliot and i talk about this on the pod all the time like your games against minnesota are awesome your games against la are awesome games against edmonton are awesome yeah. go right down the list like dallas colorado like i can't colorado another great maybe that's the most like obvious that one. exhibition game was like a regular season game. i was gonna say that was yeah that <laughs> exhibition game it sure felt like a regular season game uh at the end of the at the end of the preseason but that that's good you know yeah. like it was it's a competitive game it was physical i mean you want those type of games the the, the compete was high the the skill level was high both teams had a lot of their you know, regular players in. Uh, I think you want those sort of games that, uh, during the preseason to try and get yourself prepared. We had a similar game at the end of the preseason with uh, with LA, and it seems like all those t every time we play them, Dallas, Colorado, it's always tight games. Yeah. LA, um, you know, Edmonton. Yeah. Um, I think you see both teams really get emotionally invested in those games. Uh, last one for me, Jack. Um, the conversation around you this year in the media is look at Jack Eichel's. 200 foot game is this something you're doing differently or are we just all lazy and we've only noticed this now you guys are just lazy <laughs> <laughs> no 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 um you know what i give a ton of credit to rd <laughs> they mm -hmm. uh they definitely make us forwards look good uh the system in which we play uh i give a lot of credit to bruce the coaching staff. Um, I think the system bodes well for our team, our centermen. Um, for me personally, learning it, uh, having the opportunity to get comfortable with it last year, and then you know try and make improvements, and then just trying to uh, focus on it more because mm -hmm. I, I think it's it's an important part of the game, and um, I, I think there's ways that 
you're always trying to get better. And for me, uh, there was a long time where everyone critiqued my, I guess, play in my own zone. Um, you know, and, and you don't, you don't want weaknesses. Uh, you always want to try and find things that you can get better at. And um, for me, you know, playing in our own zone, helping our defensemen break the puck out, mm -hmm. you know, being responsible, uh, you know, building trust from the coach. I think that's all important. And, um, yeah, just try to make more of a conscious effort. And, you know, I think you combine a lot of those things and uh, we get a pretty good team and it allows me to try and, you know, be a part of that. We, we play a pretty tight defensive game for the most part and, and I'm a benefactor of that at times. And um, I like to say I also can impact it, you know, in a positive way. This is great. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much it. for Thanks doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kelly, thanks as always uh, for making yourself available for this uh, right before the Winter Classic. Um, how long has this been on your agenda? Like, I'm curious, like, what do you have to do for the Winter Classic this year as GM of this team? We had some uh, preliminary uh, discussions and decisions to make with respect to, you know, who's going to be coming, ticketing, those types of needs, which, yep. uh, interestingly, you know, I think our deadlines were... They weren't in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals. They were right around that time when your mind is on anything else. Uh, but I think where uh, we would have started to, you know, where it came on our radar much more was when you get to the off season and you look yeah. at the upcoming schedule. You look at at uh, you know just the different experiences that your team is going to uh, have. And the Winter Classic was, uh, you know, really uh, perfect in terms of giving your players an opportunity to enjoy something with their families. It's an honor to be. Uh, one of the teams asked to play. Mm. Uh, you know the venue is going to be uh, tremendous. We we can see that from uh, our family skate uh, this morning. So I think it was sort of more as we headed into the season. Well, what do the players say to you about this? Is there a whole lot of hey Kelly, thanks? Uh, some of our players have done it, uh, so I think um, they know what to expect. Um, I'm assuming you guys were around when uh, we had our family skate. I guess you were likely there with Seattle as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that tells you everything yeah. uh, for me that you need to know, right? It's, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, really, uh, really gratifying and heartwarming to watch them interact with, uh, you know, their wives or children, uh, you know, parents, in-laws, and, uh, and everything that goes uh, with the family skate. And, uh, you know, just the, mm -hmm. you know, the buzz around the hotel because our entourage is, you know, over 200 people uh, for this game, whereas a regular road game we'd be, 50 people so mm -hmm. uh, that part of it is uh, different as well so yeah I think the guys uh, really look forward to it and, and really enjoy it you know it's good to hear you say that you embrace it and it's an honor to be selected because I do think there are times people wrestle with is this a good thing or do we really need this well sure I, I think in the moment there's uh, you know people may think that um, for us it worked out really well uh, our schedule has been really heavy in the first half of the year. Coming out of Christmas, we went 27th, 28th, and then we got a nice break. We don't play till the 1st, and then we don't play till the 4th. Mm -hmm. So we're not having to, um, you know, sort of hurry to get here. Uh, we're staying overnight tomorrow night after uh, mm -hmm. the game so we can have a get-together with the families and enjoy uh, enjoy that because, you know, New Year's Eve will be a quiet night for uh, for all of the players because of the game tomorrow. Uh, and then we still get home with time for a day off, a practice day, and then uh, and then play that following day. So I really like that part of it. That was one of the things when you asked the question, 
what were things that we had to do uh, in regards to the Winter Classic. Our scheduling in and around it probably was uh, the most significant uh, piece of where we were involved uh, in terms of you know trying to make that you know that layout so the logistics were good that people could enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So uh, no, I don't uh, look at it as a hardship in any way. I think that over 82 games were competitive people. Uh, you know, losing doesn't sit well with anyone. It won't sit well with uh, with uh, whichever team. Uh, that happens to be tomorrow, but if you just can look big picture a little bit, uh, I think it gives your guys something to look forward to, uh, you know, as you get to sort of, you know, November and into the start of December. And then I think, uh, you know, it'll be something that they uh, remember for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, we're getting into January now, and that's where we start to see the beginnings of some moves that end up culminating with the trade deadline. Um, I know Matthias Ekholm was a real nice bit of business for Ken Holland last year, but Vegas bringing in Ivan Barbashev bluntly and helped you guys win a Stanley Cup. It did. Uh, I know you're not going to tell us the player or players you have. Who are in you mind, trading for? But do you have? Because I'm thinking, I'm guessing you must have had Barbashev in the back of your mind for some time before you pulled the trigger on that deal. Do you have in your mind right now an idea of who you're looking for? Well, we rely on our pro staff a lot. I think uh, it's really been, uh, you know, critical to our organization from day one. Mm -hmm. When you look at the the role that they've played, I think last year's uh, last year's Stanley Cup team had eleven players that we had traded for. So that speaks to uh, a little bit of a different way of building a hockey team. We have to have a lot of trust in uh, our pro staff under Von Carpen. Uh, they do great work. We. Uh, you know, meet regularly. We identify players of interest. We have players that we will adjust our coverage to make sure we're seeing more as we get into, uh, you know, the you know 2024 yeah. uh, leading yeah. up uh, to the trade deadline. Barbashev was an interesting one because he uh, really was a guy that we identified early in the year. If he was uh, going to be available at any point, we'd be really interested because it was a contract that uh, you could afford. It was, uh, I think, two and a quarter, and uh, he was what we needed. He was different than the players that we had. Is why we made the decision to keep him because mm -hmm. uh, he is different than uh, than the the type of players that we had. And really, uh, for me, you know, it was not unlike you know some of Tampa uh, Julian's best moves were, you know, those Coleman moves, the Goodrow moves. Like those are kind of the trades that sometimes um, you know end up really helping a team. And that's what that's what uh, that'd be similar to what Barbashev was uh, for us. So. To not answer your question further, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll we have our pro staff coming in. I believe the second week of January, where you know we'll do a deep dive on every team, and I think we'll really tighten up what we think of our own team, where we think our own uh, areas of concern might be, where we could strengthen our team, mm -hmm. and we'll uh, you know start to handicap what we think might be happening around the league and adjust our coverage from there. Is there anything? I think with the Barbashev, sorry, Ellie, so to, to cut you off. I think with Barbashev, I just going off of memory, I think we had. 45 in-person viewings uh, wow. of uh, Ivan Barbashev. So he's a player that we uh, felt we knew pretty well when the time came. I have a few follow-ups based on that. And there's one of them is a philosophical question. I have been hearing more and more, Kelly, that um, teams are cutting back on scouting. And there's, there's a big question about what the future on scouting is. And there's definitely a feeling I've heard in a few places that you still have to amateur scout as hard as you ever did because video is not as reliable. But you can pro scout. I don't know if I want to call it cutting corners, but some people have said to me they think it's cutting corners. 
pro scouting, you don't need to do it as much anymore. And I'm listening to talk about Barbashev here, and you saw him 45 times, or somebody did. I'm going to guess that you think that's not correct. Yeah, that won't be how we do it. I, I think that, that uh, you know, maybe where your questioning comes from or it ties into your question is there's more and more things you can do in addition to in-person scouting yes. to develop opinions on players. So the analytics uh, is part of that for sure. You know, player tracking, I think, as uh, teams understand, uh, you know, better as time goes on, the ways that that can be helpful. I think that there's going to be, uh, you know, people that put a lot of importance uh, in that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do the work. I, I guess uh, we've got the resources from uh, our owner, Bill Foley. Uh, we've got tremendous people in place. That's, uh, I've talked to you guys about it before. I still think that's the best work we've uh, done as an organization is the people that we've hired and I think it helps us best utilize uh, their abilities if we've got them in arenas watching hockey players. Mm -hmm. The other thing I just want to ask you, is there anything you look at your team and say we're going to need this? Uh, you know we've had a pretty good start to the year. You know we had a great start to the year but then in November and December we've uh, uh, had a stretch each month where we weren't as good as we wanted to be. I think that there's a lot of things that enter into this, not just with our team, but with all teams. Uh, 82 games is a long season. It depends on um, you know what your travel is, what your health is. We've uh, you know we've had some health issues again mm -hmm. uh, this year, as we uh, have had uh, last year, for example. Uh, in the first half of the year, we had a tremendous uh, health issue with our skaters. The second half of the year, we had a health issue with our goaltenders. Uh, so we've had a little bit of that. Uh, you know, sometimes it's. Uh, when you play teams. Mm -hmm. you know, I know when we went through Alberta, uh, we uh, lost in overtime uh, to both teams, Calgary and Edmonton. And uh, I said before we played Calgary, we were a couple of weeks late getting to Alberta. <laughs> uh, because quite a few teams went That's through true. there and won both. That's nights, right. right. So, yes. you know, there's, there's so many good teams and there's so many uh, factors. You, you really have to uh, take a broader look at your team. Uh, I think we have some comfort, uh, Elliot, in that. Uh, we've returned our entire team except for Riley uh, Smith. So we know that that team can get it done because it has got it done. And yet you're always looking to make yourself better. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to uh, you know, know the available players and, and assess whether they would help us. And uh, if we think that we uh, can improve our team, we will. Last one for me, Kelly. Um, I, I know it's not one you're going to love, but Marcia so. like He's an original misfit. And really, one of my highlights from last year was what you guys did in Game 5 when you started with five of the six misfits. I thought that was a, a really great moment. Now, you've got to sign him. He's a little bit older. Um, you know, just what's your process going through this? Because I know he's, he's an important player in the history and the legacy of the Golden Knights. Well, he is for sure. And obviously, uh, you know, he was a Conn Smythe uh, Trophy winner. Yep. So that speaks to... Uh, the importance that uh, he had on our team and has on our team. And the one thing I've always loved about Jonathan Marcheseau is he scores big goals. He has, uh, you know, just got that ability to, uh, you know, elevate his game when needed and uh, uh, and seize big moments is, is what I always have found his strength to be. Uh, we've got a number of players on expiring contracts. You can add, you know, Will Carrier, Chandler Stevenson. Stevenson, yeah. Uh, you know, was another, uh, another player we just signed. Uh, ben Hutton, Michael Amadio is an expiring mm -hmm. contract. So we just, uh, you know, as a uh, as a course of business, we're not going to talk about 
uh, where we're at with any mm -hmm. player's uh, contract or any specific situation. Uh, you know, that goes on between uh, the club and the player and, the, and his representatives. Understood. This has been great. Kelly, thanks so much for this. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. Bruce, first off, thanks so much uh, for doing this. Uh, always curious, a few months out of winning a Stanley Cup, because when it first happens, it's the euphoria and, and everything. But a few months out, how has things changed for you now that you can say Stanley Cup champion? Well, it's a little easier to coach in terms of you know, if you have a bad stretch or a couple of bad games, you know, there's trust in the group. Now, some of that's a lot of the same players are back. So it's a little easier to walk away from a game you don't like that much and say, uh -huh. okay, let's just take a deep breath and, and get it right, as opposed to be on edge a lot, saying want to fix it right away. We yeah. got to be at our best if we expect to win, because going through it last year, we weren't always at our best, and we did win but we were at our best at the right time. So there's mm -hmm. a little bit of a learning curve that. So you take that into the, I've taken that into this year and, at times. And um, so, so far, that's probably the biggest thing, takeaway. You know, that's exactly what Eichel said, actually. I, we asked if you had changed at all. And he kind of smiled uh -oh. and said, he, no, <laughs> he smiled and he said, he trusts us more. He said the exact same thing. Like, he said, everybody goes through bad times. And because we're a lot of the same team, he knows he's going to be able to bring it out of us. It's amazing. He said the exact same thing you did. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way it probably should be, right? When you've, it's like anything in life. If somebody's accomplished something, you sort of have to trust they can get it right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you're going to win again, but the process maybe to do it and how to do it. So, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest takeaway. Hmm. Um, yet, there's been a couple times where we had to stop and say, "Listen, last year's over. Like, we got to stay in the moment too here now." And, we're, we're, we are the defending champions, and people say that, but we'd like to be the repeating champions, right? So let's get into that mindset. So there's been a few times you've, we've had to tackle that issue as well. You know, I'm a big Pat Riley guy. Uh, I really like Pat Riley's work. And when he wrote about coaching the Lakers through all their showtime, he talked about the cycle of a team, right? And after a team wins the championships, he had the chapter called The Disease of Me. That's where it becomes that everybody wants to get their reward and what do I get for winning the championship? Have you seen anything like that with this Vegas team? Uh, no, no, I, I haven't. Uh, you know, a couple of guys, I mean, it's a business cycle, right? So some guys like Aiden Hill got paid. I'm happy for him. He yeah. did a great job for us. He's been working at his craft now in the league. So there's going to be a, some of that rewards. But I think that's just, you know, may, maybe where you are a little bit of, luck involved maybe if your contract year happens to come up when things are going well that's part of the business but uh as far as the individual maybe playing time the disease of me and like i need more or i should be playing more because we won no and i think a lot of it's because of the returning group and we kind of slotted in the same now we've mixed some people around but similar roles now some young guys obviously could, could keep that growing but most of the other guys know where they fit we haven't asked um less of them in terms of you know what they brought last year and uh, we're trying to keep it similar as long as we have success and we did early not so much lately so I mean if that's continues then we'll have to change it up but uh, that part has been good with the group they're they're a pretty respectful group to one another and understand that they need everybody and I think that's what makes us tick a little bit mm -hmm. so do you then deliberately go out of your way to not talk about last year with the group 
Uh, I haven't talked a lot about it. I talked about the start of the year. We talked about do we want to be a one and done team? Like, if you look at the last 15 years, Sabres, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. take a decade and a half or whatever. You've got, you know, Chicago had the run yeah. of, of three, LA a couple. I put Boston in there because they were there three times. They won once. Yeah. I was there once when they lost. Lost another time. Uh, or do you want to be the team that was there once and never back again? So. Uh, they were there once a long time ago, the original team. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an opportunity to be that legacy team. The way our uh, age, our core is set up and our contract structures, I think, will allow us to do that. So we've talked more about that at the start of the year. So how are we going to get there? It's a long journey, but that's what I would, I think we're capable of. So is that a little bit last year, but it's more about going forward. I don't bring up last year a lot. Um, Periodically, things will come up. That playing Florida the other day, hey, we got to expect their best. We got their best. They were better than us. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a big reason why, you know. So sometimes it does come up, but not not every day. And, you know, we'll mix in the odd clip that might be relevant, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Did you talk to anybody (coughs) about repeating? I talked to Jared Bednar, Coop, um, but it was general terms. Mm -hmm. uh, Just on how they, more about how how you, how did you approach camp? How did you go about getting up and running? Less so about in-season issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, those phone calls will probably start coming now, maybe, <laughs> that you're halfway through. Did Jared Bednar tell you the truth, or did he lie? Well, Jared might be tougher to get out of now, but he's a great guy. Yeah. So he was, you know, how they wanted to structure their camp, how he thought it would be good for them. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we did the exact same thing we did last year, to be honest. We were just able to get through it more efficiently because there was less teaching and less video. Mm-hmm. So I thought it worked last year. Um, some new people in Henderson. Uh, so good for the organization to, to review everything. And I still think it's good for the players to go through it all. Uh, we just, like I said, because we'd been through it once and we knew each other better, you know, the practices were just cleaner and crisper, so you get through them. So they're out of the building quicker. Their days are shorter. Yeah. You're still getting the work done. Hmm. I was wondering if you spoke to anyone in any other sports or anything like that. Some some people do that. Yeah, you know what? I didn't. Okay. Uh, um, and and I don't know a lot of different people. I could, you know, Bill Belichick and I talk at times, mm-hmm. um, but I did not. I okay. went with the hockey guys. Okay. I got to ask, sorry, Jim, I got to ask you. Your conversations with Bill Belichick, what are those like? I'm fascinated by him, and it looks like an incredible run might be coming to an end. Yeah, you know, I know they're not where they want to be right now, yeah. so I don't, I don't know what will happen in the future. We never discuss any like that. What I like talking to Bill about is the process. He, he likes talking about the grind. He loves the grind and talking about, you know, the details of coaching, how not to beat yourself. And, but, you know, like if you ever called him and said, well, what's it like to coach Tom Brady? Well, it's going to be click. Well, it's not click anymore, but you know, he doesn't want, want to get into, you know, those yeah. specifics. Just yeah. like when people ask me about a certain player, it's yeah. like, that's between us, right? Like, and, um, you know, it's it just, that's his thing. But it's more yeah. about, um, you know, preparing your team, you know, uh, what do you do if you're, you know, it's not going well. And, mm-hmm. um, but it just, a lot of general stuff. Like, I, I just think he likes the sport. Mm-hmm. He, he likes the, the, you know, I was in Boston, obviously, then the Bruins you know, uh, blue collar approach because yeah. he knows the city well. And he loves that about about sports in general and hockey. There's a lot of that. It's about the team, right? Yeah. First, it's not always the best team on paper that wins. And uh, so it's just conversations like that. Uh, I want to ask you something that we uh, that we asked Jack Eichel right before he came in, and that is, 
You know, your team seems to have consistently great games with the most different teams. Minnesota, Colorado, Los Angeles, Dallas, Edmonton. Edmonton. Like, is, we're trying to f figure out the reason for this. One, you're an entertaining team with a lot of talent. But two, is it that everyone's gunning for you, and they always have, going back to probably year two after the novelty of the expansion team makes the final. Do you find that you're getting the best from just about every other team, and that's why, you know, night in, night out, Vegas Golden Knights games are some of the most entertaining games in the league? Uh, I think we got early on, like Dallas, we saw them. as playoff intensity right away. Florida was the other day. I thought Tampa got to that. Yeah. I just think it's players that are highly competitive, and it, it keeps getting more and more competitive, and mm -hmm. uh, they want bragging rights. So do I find we're getting the team's best? Yes, even the teams that aren't at that level that want to be. I mean, there's a little bit of, hey, this is where we've got to get to. This is what it looks yeah. like. So that, that to me is uh, a certain sign of respect. I think the players should, that we've talked about. Hey, this, mm. is, this is part of winning, right? Now yeah. when you're on top, everyone wants a piece of you. So, I mean, mm. it's, it's a, a compliment uh, in its own way, but you got to be ready for it too, right? It's, uh, so I, I feel we've gotten that. And I think our guys, I, I've noticed this, when we practice, if we just do some drills, they're okay, right? And they're, mm -hmm. But when we get into the competitive two-on-two -two or three-on-three -three or small ice games, that's when we get the best out of the, mm. our group, and that's against each other. So I, I've learned over the, the last year and a half that that's just who they are. The more that's at stake, the more that they want to win. And that's obviously a good thing. And that's probably why those games, you know, yeah. get going. La last question for me. We had um, Sarah Nurse on her show last week, and she she's quite entertaining talking about this, you know, this dream that she has where she forgets her skates and she can't find her skates. I was thinking about that as and she the, was the, saying I know, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It makes sense. I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Like, I understand that a player would have that type of nightmare really oh where are my skates and my team's already out there I, I can't find my skates <laughs> what kind of nightmares do coaches have jeez yeah, i don't know is there one I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know i can't i don't have a good answer for that i i understand what she's saying though right yeah. because that you can't play without your skates like it doesn't yeah. matter what else is going on like, like you need yeah. your skates it's the simplest of things right so um no, I, I don't really. It's not like I sleep like a baby every night either. <laughs> Do you wake up crying every two hours? <laughs> right. yeah. But I don't wet my bed. <laughs> Last one for me. Favorite player you've coached? Oh, boy. Um, you've had some great ones. Favorite player? Well, I've enjoyed coaching a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you who I... I Tori Krug was a guy coached in Boston and just the back and forth of running a power play and how he was a student of the game and how we tried to build his game from just an offensive player to have a legacy to be a two-way player. I enjoyed Torrey a lot mm. because Torrey was um, mm. stubborn but uh, very receptive to coaching. Um, you know, Pasternak was a lot of fun just to watch his evolution because I had him as a 19-year-old mm -hmm. as a superstar. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and Jack is one now that I've really enjoyed because Jack, to me, is like a, an elite player that was looking for his spot to be elite. And he's found it here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I think our, our, our timing has been good for each other. Mm -hmm. we, we were going to be coming into this together in Vegas. 
and we're probably going to get some credit or blame either way, no matter how it worked hmm. out. And um, so I've enjoyed Jack and his evolution as a player. Hmm. Um, the other guy I enjoyed coaching a lot, I know I'm, is, is, okay. is, is a little bit off, the, is Noel Achari. Hmm. Noel was a guy that came up as a free agent in Providence, and I watched his growth and to see him move around the league and have success. Like one of those guys that you, yeah. just a hard-nosed, great teammate hmm. that had to really work at it. That, probably beat the odds at the end of the day and to see him have success as a guy who spent a lot of time in the minors mm -hmm. have a really deep appreciation for those guys. That makes a lot of sense. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, Thanks thank so much you. for taking time. Thanks for having me. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that collage of interviews. Ron Francis, GM of the Seattle Kraken. Kelly McCrimmon, same for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Jack Eichel of the Vegas Golden Knights and Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the, we should always throw in Stanley Cup when you've won it, Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, thanks to both the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights for making their people available for our podcast. Thanks to our crew led by Jeremy McElhaney, uh, Jason Wessel, Peter Planta, Camilo Torres, and Elijah Lawson. A big thank you from all of us here. So that's it. That's the pod. Thanks for making it this far. I hope you get a chance to watch the Winter Classic on Monday. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, and you can enjoy this podcast, a new one anyhow, coming up Friday morning. Happy New Year to all of you. Hope 2024 brings you health and happiness, not just to you, but your friends and loved ones as well. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.